Well, it's good to have you back with us. Another edition of Death Taxes and Duval alongside Hayes Carline. I am Rick Ballou, and uh, it's a lot of fun to get this out there each and every week. Uh, we do want to single out our sponsors as we get things rolling. Our good friend, attorney Stephen Doty. Yeah, huge Jaguar fan. He's excited, and uh, and we really appreciate his support. If you're having a financial issue, uh, you're thinking of de- declaring for bankruptcy, or you have a family law issue, maybe you're going through a divorce or want to get something amended, Stephen Doty is your guy. You can reach him at 416-8328. Always a lot of fun. Always do uh, appreciate him. Um, and as well, uh, certainly want to uh, thank uh, my good buddy Mark over at Patriot Roofing and Services. All right, right now, uh, whether it is commercial or uh, you know whether it is residential, they have all the top brands. Financing is available, so go ahead and give them a call at nine eight two forty fifty two. Again, that is the number for Patriot Roofing Services Incorporated nine eight two. 4052. All right, a lot of good stuff happening, uh, including Trevor Lawrence. Why don't we begin with that? Uh, you know, he said today he did a, a, some sort of a podcast or interview today, and uh, it came out that uh, he has increased his passes per, ga- uh, per practice from 30 to 40. Uh, the pitch count now sitting at 60. Yeah, I think it's intriguing. And, you know, I, I think it's the Jaguars have played it very conservative with Trevor in terms of working him back in. I, I would still imagine that. He isn't going to be taking uh, snaps from center. He's probably still not going to be doing handoff exchanges uh, as they continue uh, the OTAs. But I, I think it is, you know, it's good that his pitch count is expanded. Um, curious to see how long he throws it down the field. It was very short uh, to intermediate um, in the rookie camp. So, um, but it's it's you know it's he's obviously progressing. It's a good sign. And uh, obviously, he's going to be you know full go once we get to training camp. Um, really, the biggest thing I think right now for Trevor is more in the classroom anyway, and kind of picking up the the offensive system and, and things like that. Yeah, and, and that was one of my biggest uh, questions: is uh, you know you're increasing the amount that he is throwing, but are we going to have a little bit more distance now? I I would love to see uh, Trevor Lawrence you know, start to throw some deep balls. I, I'm under the impression that that's probably still, you know, a few weeks away. But uh, I was surprised from the get-go uh, when it was announced that he was throwing. I was under the impression, Hayes, that he would probably begin to throw in the month of June. And obviously he surprised us by doing that in, in the mid part of May. Yeah, and it's it's beautiful to watch. I mean, like like we, you know, anticipated it would be. I mean, I, I'm really excited to see what he will look like uh, in training camp once he is he is full go. We've seen the the preseason slate now be finalized. I don't know if we'll still see joint practices. You know, I, I don't know if with Urban being in his first year, mm. if that's something. The opponents are Cleveland, New Orleans, and Dallas. I would think if you were going to do it, it would be the Browns would make the most sense. Um, so that'll be curious to see. I think it would be good for yeah, the Jaguars to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. I'll be eager to see if, uh, you know, maybe that's, it might be a little early to ask Urban that at this point. They've got a lot of other things that are probably a little bit more urgent um, that we need to get his thoughts on. But but I'll be curious because I'd like to see the Jaguars go through a joint practice. I'd like to see Trevor Lawrence get that look. I'm trying to remember, was it announced that they were going to practice with Tampa Bay last year? 
And then I it think was canceled. So, yeah, and then if it was not, canceled. it was yeah. uh, actually I remember now it was a report out of Tampa Bay, right? That said that you know the Jags were going to go there have a preseason game and get some of those workouts in, and obviously they went on to win the Super Bowl. I, I I'm with you. I think it's very important uh, to have the team do that. All right, um, you know, back to rookie camp. Uh, before you know, we we get into the veterans um, who you know will get an opportunity again this week to practice. Uh, what really stood out for you during rookie minicamp? I, I think Walker Little, to me, physically really looked the part. Uh, the way he was able to move, his frame, uh, his size. So, again, I've got to be kind of patient on that because Walker Little isn't really going to show us what he can do until we get three or four days into training camp and the pads go on. But he was somebody that I was really intrigued by. He was somebody that I wasn't really counting on to do much this year, and that may still be the case, but I definitely think that Cam Robinson has probably a, a, a harder battle on his hands than maybe I thought when they made the selection. And I, and I was sort of thinking, well, this is more of a developmental pick for 2022. So uh, for me, uh, Walker Little, although I don't know how much we'll really get a chance to, to gauge him, but it'll be good to see him. You know, Now you'll be able to see him up close to Cam Robinson. You'll be able mm-hmm. to kind of make those... Uh, judgments before it was Walker Little and like one other offensive lineman. So, um, but that's something that I think is intriguing. If this team is going to surprise us, then, you know, I think they've got to get really good play from the starting tackles. And if Walker Little can supplant Cam Robinson and become this you know, steal of the second round, then boy, that would really benefit the offense. All right, the veterans are here, and, you know, the media access has certainly been uh, slowed from years prior, regardless of who the coach was. It felt like all of these sessions were open uh, for the media, whether it was, uh, you know, Del Rio, Malarkey, Bradley, or Marone. Not the case with Urban Meyer. Now, I don't know if this is NFL stuff, if this is COVID stuff, or if this is... Urban Meyer basically saying, yeah, we'll open it once a week, but that's all you're going to get. Yeah, I think it's more of an urban thing. I, I think when from seeing you know reporters around the league, I, I think it's 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 a it's certainly I think less than the average of what you're seeing around the league. Um, I'm curious really to see what they will offer up on Thursday. Um, you know, th- these things are walkthroughs anyway, basically. There's no contact, and uh, you know I'm curious to see if it's a, an even more watered down version of it because you have the weekend coming up, and, right. and they've been out there since Monday. So, uh, so when they switched it from Wednesday to Thursday, my first thought was from a strategic standpoint that Urban said we have some legitimate things we want to try and do mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Right. Thursday is going to be a much lighter day have the media come out Thursday. Yeah, and you know what I thought of initially was, well, maybe it is a big day uh, scheme-wise, offense, defense, and maybe Trevor Lawrence is a little bit more involved, and now we find out today that the pitch count has been um, you know, expanded to 60. Maybe tomorrow is a day, unfortunately, when, when the media is out there, that he doesn't throw as much. I, right. I don't know. Sometimes that, that does happen. It, it seems to feel right now like it's going to be a solid 60 um, passes per day, but you know, I, I, I think that that's intriguing. Tom Coughlin was absolutely that way. I think Urban Meyer kind of falls into the Belichick, Saban, you know, Jimbo Fisher, let's bat down the hatches. And as little as we can show anyone at this point, we feel we're better off that way. And, and I'm curious, Rick, and this will be a discussion that we'll have as it gets closer and over the summer, but I'm I'm even curious to see how Urban approaches 
the three preseason games because I would not be surprised if on a percentage basis the Jaguars are one of the lower teams in the NFL in terms of starter reps in the preseason. This is a college coach who has a college mindset uh, as he brings it into the NFL, and I think he's going to look at it and say, I don't want to have three games where I'm showing a lot of what we're doing, you know, with, particularly with our starters. Um you know, I and and I will say they do have a lot of decisions in terms of depth and young players from a big draft class last year uh, that they need to make some evaluations on. But I, I think when you talk about you know, Urban is is already spoken about the high amount of injuries that the Jaguars have endured over the last few years. They cannot afford any of those. Uh, they they need to be one of in the top half of the league in terms of games lost to injuries to even have a chance of really surprising mm-hmm. in terms of, of a potential playoff berth. So I am curious if he kind of approaches it with a more of an unorthodox attitude of, yeah, there's three games here, um, but I don't know that I'm going to play my starters a whole lot uh, in, in getting ready for Houston. You know, it's really interesting. I'm just thinking back of these dual practices we talked about, and I remember going to New England, Brady didn't play, going to Minnesota, Cousins didn't go, Lamar Jackson uh, and Nick Foles didn't go in Baltimore. So, yeah, and things change. Now you go from four to three. Uh, you know, I would think early on, Trevor Lawrence, you want him to get some reps. You want him to get some NFL experience. But that is going to be fascinating with three games and really two weeks off before opening day, you know, that that matchup at Houston. What is the philosophy going to be? And And you know what else? I wonder if this is all urban. Or, you know, how much does he just sit down and discuss with with the huge staff and everyone he's got around him? Just bounce it off people. What do you think we should do here week one, week two, week three, preseason? How should we handle it? He's never been a part of this before. Yeah, one good thing for Urban in doing this is he doesn't have to adjust. He's not one of these NFL head coaches that's been doing the four preseason routine now for a, a number of years and has to tweak how he goes about setting up his camp and that may not be a difficult chore for for veteran coaches but at least for urban he's never had to do it so this is sort of the the only thing he knows um is the three preseason game format um you know i'd be curious in knowing we know how much they embrace analytics i'd be curious in knowing the weight of getting your starters reps in the preseason and the positive of that versus the injury toll. We saw Marquis Lee get his knee caved in in a preseason game. Um, I, I would be curious in knowing that. And I, I would not be surprised if Urban Meyer and his staff look at it and say, you are better off to really be conservative with your playing time in the preseason. First off, you also now have an additional game. It's a 17-game yeah. schedule now. So. Uh, the Jaguars do have a, a four-game cushion start. You don't. I'm not suggesting you want to get off to a slow start, but it is a little bit. A, a loss isn't as damning in a 17-game schedule as it is in a 16-game schedule. So uh, it, it does make me wonder as they balance it all out. What? Where is the net positive? Is it to play the starters a lot and feel like when you go to Houston that you've got a lot of reps already under your belt and live competition, or is it better to try and get as much of that simulation done in practice as you can and conserve it because you know that the opponent isn't going to protect you at all. All right, I believe it's four draft picks now over the last couple of years which have been moved since Urban's been here. I mean, we we talked about Rock Armstead, obviously Josh Oliver, 
uh, didn't work out. They just Josiah made that trade. Scott. Yeah, for Josiah yeah. Scott. What, what? I mean, and again, these aren't seventh-round picks. These are, you know, Josh Olive was a third-round pick, fourth-round pick here for Scott. I want to say Armstead went what, fourth, fifth, fifth round? Yeah. yeah. What what type of message does that send? This is the third youngest team in the NFL. Yeah, it's it's clear that they have a an idea of the guys they want, and you know I think that all their draft picks are going to make it. I'll be curious to see if any of the undrafted guys make it. And the other element to this uh, that's going to be a big factor, I think, in them building the back of this roster is they have the number one waiver claim on every player that is cut from now until, I believe, through the third week of the regular season. So it was interesting today. The NFL came out and said they're going to alter how they do cuts. They're going to go, instead of going from 90 to 53 all at once and flooding the market, they're going to go 90 to 85, and then a week later go 85 to 80. And and while you'd like that to maybe be a little bit more, it does help the Jaguars in this sense. 151 or 155 players will get released, uh, or 151 others. Uh, that a week will go by, another 155 will get released. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see, do the Jaguars see anybody in that group that they say, we want him because mm-hmm. that's all they have to say. They can put as many – I don't think they'll put in what Dave Caldwell did in 2013 where you you got to final cuts and then 24 hours later seven new guys walked into the locker room. Um, but I do think – That was bizarre. It was unbelievable. And, yeah. and a lot of them played against the Chiefs yeah. six days later. No, it, I, it I remember. Was, yeah, I remember was, congratulating Lonnie Pryor on making the right. team and 48 hours later He's he was gone. cut. Yeah, it was, it was remarkable. And, uh, you know, so – I do think that if you're if you're a, a a player from the Dave Caldwell era, uh, if you have not done a lot yet to distinguish yourself, I I think you're clearly in uh, some trouble in terms of making this fifty three. You're listening to Death Taxes and Duval. It's our weekly podcast talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's Hayes Carlin. He's our beat writer, and he's on each and every day from three to six. I am the Jaguars sideline reporter. My name's Rick Ballou, and I come on immediately after. At 6 p.m. All right. Um, salary cap was announced today. $2.8.2 million for the 2022 season. Jaguars are in tremendous shape. But when you talk about going out and getting veterans, okay, that'll take away uh, some money. So you want a Julio Jones trade. I know you said before you, you love that idea. The next time we come on air, not only will... We have an opportunity to talk about what happened yesterday during practice, but it will also be after June 1st where these veterans, it becomes more affordable uh, for both the team trading that player and and the player taking on that salary. Let's begin there. I, I saw what? Bill Barnwell, ESPN, said LaVisca Chenault Jr. in a 2022 second-round pick. Yeah, and uh, I, I'd love to see Julio Jones uh, traded here. Um, I, I don't know that I would give up Chenault to do it. Um, I would like to just give up a pick. And I think the Falcons are in such dire straits to trade Julio Jones. I think they are just dying to rebuild. Uh, and, and because of Matt Ryan's contract, they can't fully do it this offseason. But, but parting ways with Julio Jones would certainly signify that they're on their way to a rebuild. And, and I don't think they, they want to keep him around. It's clear from Julio's comments earlier this week that he doesn't want to be there. So um, if it's a second-round pick, and I'd, I'd rather send them like a second and a fourth 
then send them a second and Chenault. Yeah, I don't I, want to move I, Chenault. Yeah, no. who I think has some some potential. So I, I I I'm interested in Julio Jones, but I want it to almost be a ridiculous steal, which I think. And if I'm the Falcons, I, I would look at it and say. There's going to be a lot of teams. I don't think anybody's offering them a first-round pick for Julio Jones. But if a number of teams offer you a second-rounder, well, you're probably going to favor the Jaguars because history tells you the Jaguars' second-rounder could be a top-40 pick. Mm -hmm. It could be the 33rd pick, although that's unlikely now with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer here. But, you know, when you compare it to if it was Green Bay or Baltimore or the Titans, you know, you'd have to think there could be a, a pretty big gap in those picks. So to me, it would only be if Atlanta's willing to do it for like a second rounder and maybe a mid round pick in 2023. I'd love to see it. The player that I, the, the area that I really think they need to take a hard look at with trades is tight end. Sure. And, and I think if, if you can get Zach Ertz for a fourth round pick, I, I just think it's malpractice not to do it. I mean, to me, to, to go into this season, with Manhurts and O'Shaughnessy and Farrell and Tebow and whatever else. I mean, to me, that is, that is letting your rookie quarterback down. And I understand there's people saying, well, their scheme doesn't really. Well, I, I think that's a mistake. I mean, mm-hmm. what? I mean, are you, so you're saying any offense that throws to the tight end is, is they're making a mistake when they do that? <laughs> I, I, I don't buy that argument. So I, I'd like to see them add Zach Ertz. He is an overpriced player. Um, at $8 million, but to your point, you have by far the most cap space in the NFL. You're still going to have a lot that you can roll over next year on on what is going to be an, an expanding cap, and I'd like to see Zach Ertz uh, come here for a fourth-round pick, but where do you stand on uh, you know, trading for a, a veteran this summer? Yeah, I would much rather trade for Zach Ertz than I would Julio Jones, and, and here's why. And, and I was disappointed. Uh, in the last month to six weeks, I've uh, had uh, Sal Palantonio and Ian Rappaport on my show, and they both said, yeah, well, if you make a deal for Zach Ertz, he's going to want a new deal. And I'm like, well, I want a new deal. I mean, everyone wants a new deal. I mean... <laughs> This is a team that just lost 15 straight, for crying out loud. You don't have to pay Zach Ertz and give him a three-, four-year extension. It's simple. Hey, Zach, are you going to play for $500,000 a game this year? Are you going to take that $8 million, or are you going to walk off into the sunset in beautiful Philadelphia? Come down here on a show me and play. So I was blown away. I have respect for both those, uh, you know, uh, members of our uh, of the media. But I, I was really surprised by the answer. I would love to do the Zach Ertz. Here's my problem with Julio Jones, and I don't know Julio Jones, so I don't want to speak out of turn. But it seems like guys who want out, they want to follow Brady. They all want to win. Now I know in Atlanta with Jones, that's a little bit more team forced than Julio Jones. Forced, even though he finally commented on it earlier this week. But whether it's Watson, Wilson, or Rodgers, what they have in common with Jones, all of these guys are signed for three years or more, and they're making great money. They want out because they want to win a Super Bowl. Does Julio Jones want to be part of a rebuild? Does he want to come here with, hopefully, a generational quarterback and one of the great coaches that this game has ever seen? Or does he want to go to Tennessee? And he mentioned New England. And, you know, I got to think about Kansas City and a couple of these other teams. Does he want to go someplace where he believes I could be the difference between going to the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl? Whereas excited as everyone is around here, in 2021, in my opinion, the Jaguars are not a Super Bowl team. 
So is he going to buy in if moved here? Yeah, and I think that's a great question. And I, I don't think that, that you know, the, it, it, I will say this. It doesn't feel like the Jaguars are a great fit for Julio Jones right now. It would make m- way more sense for him to be traded to the Ravens, who have desperately needed a, a receiver like him. And uh, and they're a team that you know they're going to wake yeah. up and win 10 games. Anyone but the Titans. Right, yeah, you'd, you'd hate yeah. to see that. And, uh, um. You know, so I I think that it's one of those things that it, it it doesn't line up. But again, unless he has a no trade clause, and I don't believe he does, um, if if I'm the Jaguars, I, I'm I'm saying we w- we will get him on the phone with Urban Meyer and he who knows him, and we will convince Julio Jones that we're gonna try and win this year. Yeah, I mean, if you I will say this: if you add Julio, whatever you think of the Jaguars' win total this year. I, I probably have it a little high. I've got it at them going nine and eight. Um, but let's say you have them at seven wins. Um, mm-hmm. If you add Julio Jones, even if you're just going to get 13 games out of Julio Jones and he's going to miss four, yeah, it's worth two or three wins. The guy averages like 96 yards a game oh, in his he's career. He's unbelievable. And you add him with DJ Chark and Chenault. And again, I wouldn't want to give up young picks our young players to Atlanta but if I can do it simply for 2022 draft compensation I would absolutely do it because I think if you have Julio and Chark and Chenault and Marvin Jones and you've got the running back tandem of ETN and James Robinson you have a nuclear weapon at quarterback and Trevor Lawrence then I think you've got an offense with a veteran offensive line that could be pretty scary right out of the gate and now maybe instead of talking seven wins, you are talking legitimately nine. Maybe you know you do go from nine wins to maybe the the floor the ceiling being ten or eleven. Um, you know. So and again, once you get in the tournament, I mean, what I would tell Julio is, look, once you're in the tournament, you know this, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. You just have to get in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the division's that good. I mean, I don't. I'm not a big believer in in the Colts and, and neither Titans am I. And Texans. I can't believe they're terrible. I can't believe they're at nine and a half, ten. Yeah, for for wins. I mean, I I've been on the assumption that Tennessee is still the team to beat. I know Tennessee's defense leaves a little bit to be desired, particularly you know getting to the quarterback, their lack of pass rush. But you know, Vegas typically knows what they're doing, and and they do have uh, right now the Colts. Obviously, they must feel good about Frank Reich uh, being able to get back. Um, you know, there with Carson Wentz. All right, as we wrap things up, uh, one thing we haven't talked about in a little bit, uh, with OTAs now underway, and again, there's limited media access, guys returning from injury. Let's begin with C.J. Henderson. I, I haven't heard I haven't heard a morsel. There's been a lot of rumors, but yeah. nothing that I can put my hand on and say, okay, this is happening and that's happening. What do you think? Will we be out there tomorrow? That's a great question. I I, I don't know uh, from a health standpoint if if he'll be able to participate. I am confident that he will have a good season. I, I and I'm I, and I feel like that the staff that is coming in, he is one of the few holdovers that they like. Um, you know, so I, I think they have high hopes for C.J. Henderson. I think they view him more as the guy that we saw against the Colts in the opener, not that he's going to do that every week. Um, I mean, if he did that every week, he'd be the greatest corner to ever play the game. Right. Um, but, uh, but I think they see a, a player that, that can really be a, a standout number one corner in this league. Um, I would think with a labrum, my, my recollection on labrums is you almost never see those guys until training camp mm-hmm. do anything. So, right. you know, I, I, I would 
be surprised if I saw him doing things, you know, with the rest of the team tomorrow. Um, but I do think that whenever he's healthy, uh, I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, and, and I hope so as well. And, you know, when you go out and you get Campbell and you spend all that money on Griffin, you would think that you got yourself three really solid corners. All right, a couple of guys on the defensive line. Devon Hamilton went down after a, a promising rookie year. Uh, also recently, I, I guess it's been about, uh, again, five or six weeks ago, I, I, I did talk with Roy Robertson-Harris, who missed the second half of the season in Chicago. You know, he did say that he felt good and he was ready to go, but again, it's not like there's going to be any contact, so I would expect him to be out there at least doing conditioning and going through some drills. Yeah, that was a good interview. What are your expectations for for him and for Hamilton this year, you know, I I uh, I tried to get technical with Robertson. I was like, yeah, you know, so you, you're going to play the big end on a three four, then you're going to slide inside once they go to nickel. But and he's like, bro, 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 I'll do it all. I'll play nose guard, <laughs> and he's an imposing looking guy. Um, I love, you know, one thing. I think the Jags under Bradley and Marone made a mistake of doing a lot of cross-training. Mm. Remember they had Jalen working at safety? Yeah. They moved Miles Jack every year to a different position. You know, yeah. Taven Bryan to a different position. Now, listen, on offense, I'll, I'll agree with you there. The ETN situation or Chenault situation is one thing. But for me, for the most part, when we're talking defense, I want you at one position and one position only unless you have the ability to move on that defensive line like Calais Campbell. And I'm hoping Robertson Harris is that guy that, that can move from the outside to the inside. He's the guy that it, it really feels like if if they have uncovered a gem, it seems like he's going to be the guy. That, that a lot of people are going to be like, we get four or five weeks into the year and it's going to be like, wow, how come we never heard about it? It wasn't like this guy was playing, you know, in... You know, for some nondescript right. NFL team, he was playing for the playing Chicago for the Bears. Bears. Yeah, and uh, um, but he really does feel like a player that they believe is is really got a, a ton of great football ahead of him. So yeah, I can't wait, and I'm excited about Devon Hamilton. I, I don't know exactly. I can tell you they, they they've got to stay healthy there. Yeah. I mean, if, if oh, you yeah. get an injury to Malcolm Brown or Devon Hamilton, yeah. I, I don't know what they're going to do. That's a problem. There's no question. That is a problem. All right, there you have it. Uh, the next time we speak, uh, again, it'll be post-June 1st, so uh, there'll be veterans who are available. And, of course, uh, the Jaguars will have more OTAs in the book. I uh, definitely want to say thank you uh, to our sponsors for making death taxes and Duval possible. Uh, thank you to Patriot Roofing Services Incorporated, my buddy Mark over there. His phone number is 9824052. Residential, commercial, all the top brands. Everything that they do is incredible. State licensed and insured, and there's financing available. So just give Mark a call at Patriot Roofing. His number is 9824052. Yeah, appreciate him. Appreciate the law office of Stephen Doty. Stephen is such a great guy, regular guy, prides himself on being affordable. So don't think I, I'm, I'm going through some legal issue. I can't afford. You will be able to talk with Stephen Doty, and you will see what a genuine person he is and how he can help you uh, at a very affordable price. So give Stephen a call if you're going through anything with bankruptcy, anything financial, anything family law, divorce, or something like that. Maybe want to get it amended. He can help you with that. You can reach Stephen Doty at 416-8328. All right. If you want to respond to anything you heard, uh, the best way to get us is on Twitter. 
Yeah, you can find me at Hayes Carlion, H-A-Y-S-C-A-R-L-Y-O-N. And yours truly, Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. Hayes Carlion with you each and every day, 3 to 6. I am with you at 6. So that is it. Another edition. <laughs> Enjoyed of it. Taxes and Duval. It's in the books. Loved it. All right, Hayes. Have a great uh, week. Uh, folks, we'll talk with you soon. Again, this is Death, Taxes, and Duval.